Welcome to Have You Heard, an IDF podcast. This podcast is a service of the Immune Deficiency Foundation, a nonprofit organization that improves the diagnosis, treatment, and quality of life of people affected by primary immunodeficiency. People living with PI are the zebras of the medical world, and the IDF community is one big zebra herd. It's no surprise to people living with PI that the strain of chronic illness isn't just on your body, but it's on your mind as well. On this episode of Have You Heard, Dr. John Seymour explores the relationship between mental and physical health in a presentation from the 2022 PI Conference. If you wish to follow along as you listen, the slides Dr. Seymour used in his presentation are available via a link in the show's description. Let's get started. Welcome everyone to the 2022 PI Conference. Um, Lisa, we are just gonna get started here in one moment. My name is Julie Magnuson and I am the USIDNet Project Manager at IDF. And I will be your moderator for this education event. Today, Dr. John Seymour will be presenting on the connection between mental health and physical health. Dr. Seymour has been a family therapist for over 40 years with a focus on children, adolescents, and their families. Much of his clinical practice university teaching, clinical supervision, and research has focused on resilience and coping with chronic illnesses. He is an emeritus professor and distinguished faculty scholar at Minnesota State College in Mankato, where he taught for almost 20 years. He has continued his clinical practice after retirement from the university, working in a local outpatient mental health clinic. His previous professional experiences included several clinical supervision, and administrative positions in a variety of healthcare settings and private practice. His educational background includes master's degrees in family therapy from the University of Houston and pastoral studies from Southern Seminary and a doctor of philosophy degree in counseling from Texas A&M. Welcome, Dr. Seymour. Thank you very much, Julie, and welcome to everyone who's joined us today. I, I've been a volunteer with IDF for over 20 years and uh, have a uh, a wife and daughter with primary immune deficiency. And so in my family life, as well as in my professional life, I have uh, had many ways of uh, looking at this topic. And I appreciate you being here today and uh, hope you'll continue. There's a lot of exciting things on through the rest of the day. And uh, we appreciate you being here. Well, today I wanna to talk about that connection between mental and physical health. And as I have at any IDF workshop that I have ever done, I open with a slide that when I first started doing my research, uh, I opened up this article from 1999 and the opening line just stunned me. And it continues to be a stunning summary of what we live with, with chronic illness. Uh, Dr. Cohen said, illness does not ask, it demands. And so we have a real challenge uh, with a chronic illness because we have a lot of demanding to deal with in our life. I hope that what we can do today is cover several things. Number one, to talk a bit about stress and how it is the body's response to any demand that's placed on it. It is a natural response. It is our body trying to take care of us uh, when we face 
increased challenges. The challenge becomes, though, is when the stresses, the challenges don't go away, the stress doesn't go away. And this is where the, the challenge of a chronic health condition really plays into our mental health and abilities. But I'm not gonna leave you with stress. I wanna to talk to you about another important concept that I've spent most of my career uh, researching, which is resiliency. And resiliency in a nutshell is it's not a superpower. It doesn't turn any of us into a Marvel or DC character, but it is a specific quality of humans that give us that ability to withstand and rebound from life's challenges. And it is a very important concept in wellness and recovery work with illness. So we'll talk a bit about resiliency because I want you to tune into your strength. And then finally, I want to talk about you for a little bit, or at least what I think you may be dealing with because I'd like for you to leave not only with an idea of, yes, I'm stressed, yes, I have resilience, but a third idea of, yes, I have some practical things that I can leave this workshop today and uh, make a difference with my life. So that's what I hope we can do as, as we join together. Uh, I do hope that uh, many of you have been with us through the entire conference, and especially I hope that you saw the interview that our CEO, Jory Berry, had with our special keynote speaker, who spoke so eloquently about the challenges of what makes a PI so stressful. If you didn't see it, uh, it'll be on demand on the website, and I'm sure someone at IDF can help direct you to that spot uh, when the time comes. But several of these were mentioned in that first conference. One of the big things is, is that for many primary immunodeficiency symptoms, the invisible the, the illness stays invisible. Of course, there are some visual markers that we can sometimes tell depending on the type of PI. But oftentimes, primary immunodeficiencies are illnesses where we don't immediately look like we are incapacitated. But on the inside, a person with PI often is very aware of that experience of being incapacitated. And it causes a lot of difficulty to be surrounded by people who really don't notice or understand just how much you might be going through. There is a lot of difficulty in understanding the disease. Now, I'd like to think in the last uh, many years of IDF that there is not as much difficulty for, uh, for people uh, as we have spread the word, but the reality is there's still so many people who do not know what a primary immunodeficiency is, don't know how to look for it in themselves or in a loved one, and if they did, they don't know what to do. Uh, it is a complex set of diseases. It's not any one disease. And you can look at the rest of the uh, workshop titles for this conference and, and see that there are just many contributions to make from medicine to genetics to other fields as to what contributes to and what treats a primary immunodeficiency but it is very difficult to understanding the disease. 
IDF has spent years developing literature that tries to make it clearer to people. And uh, internationally, uh, there's international efforts to translate these. And thank you to our interpreters today who are translating what I'm saying into Spanish to help this understanding go even further in our community because we are very aware at IDF that many, many people are not aware that they have this disease and that the length of time to get diagnosed is very long, but it starts with just people and healthcare providers even knowing that the diseases exist. Now, another thing that makes it so stressful is, well, this isn't a surprise to many of you listening, Primary immunodeficiencies can be unpredictable. You can be doing very well as you head off on your day, and by noon, you can feel like a freight train has hit you. Or there are those times that the freight train hits you first thing in the morning, but somehow by noontime or so, you, you feel a, 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 a breath of fresh wind and, and some recovery. There's, there's lots of ups and downs. Some of them happen that quickly. Uh, others happen very slowly, dipping up and down. But there's just a lot of unpredictability. Uh, being that this is a rare group of diseases, uh, not everybody is as prepared to understand both the causes of the treatments or, or the recovery uh, for a primary immunodeficiency. And so there's just a lot of unpredictability because we are still learning. Uh, it's stressful because most PIs require some very uh, regular kinds of treatments. Uh, and uh, regular following with medical professionals. Many are on infusions, either uh, IVIG or sub-Q. Uh, others uh, have bone marrow transplants. There's, there's a variety of things that happen, and there's often a lifetime of monitoring your health condition uh, to stay on top of these diseases. So it's regular. It just doesn't go away. Um, yes, it can be very expensive. And uh, that's another area that IDF continues to address in their advocacy and, and in their patient education. But there is much to be done because chronic illness is expensive. And so that makes it stressful because there's almost always an expense related to this disease. And if the disease is always around, the expense will be. Another thing that some of you who've been around for a while are realizing is that there are additional diagnoses over time often. Uh, primary immunodeficiencies share some common symptom groups and some common uh, physiolo physiology and uh, genetics with other conditions. And, and over time, uh, being diagnosed with one condition can sometimes lead to your diagnosis with additional. So there's always that possibility that lingers. There are genetic concerns, and we're learning more about that every day. But 
this concern takes us not just through our day or through our life, but genetic concerns take us all the way through our projection of our own histories and our own family future. So it can be a very consuming experience. As you probably have experienced, there's a lot of loss of control. You know, you don't feel like you're driving your own vehicle. You're not driving your life down the roadway of life as you wished you could. And sometimes you have people taking over the steering wheel and steering it in other directions. There is a tremendous sense with PI of fatigue. It comes from a variety of sources. And again, this is a condition that is being understood more and more, partly due to some research uh, being done by uh, physicians and researchers uh, that have uh, worked with uh, IDF on this question, but it's fatiguing. And fatigue is something that isn't so bad, but if the source of that fatigue is ongoing, then the fatigue is likely to be ongoing. And the other thing that I know quite well personally and then professionally, it's very disruptive to personal life and family life. You cannot always do what you plan to do, either on a short-term basis, like I'm going to go out of town this weekend, or a longer-term basis of I want to commit to a, a new job. I want to start a new school. Uh, I want to have kids. There's all sorts of questions that a PI can inform. Now, I promise you, this is the last slide of all the things that are wrong, because we really have to get to the things uh, that are uh, going better. But this is what makes it so stressful. Now. This is a diagram that I've created to describe how symptoms tend to worsen with us. And here is the connection between how our mental health and our physical health are so intimately tied in. You can start at any point on this circle, but let's just start at the top with the body changes, because that's most obvious. The body changes that occur from dealing with a primary immunodeficiency and the various symptoms that can occur. Whenever our bodies go through these changes, it activates in our brain lots of thought changes, lots of questions. What's going on? I've never had this experience before, or I've had this experience before and it was so awful last time, I am not looking forward to it this time. Well, along with those thoughts come a rapid succession of feelings from those thoughts, uh, feelings of, 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 of fear, feelings of pain, discomfort, feelings of loss. All sorts of feelings start to be generated by this new awareness that our body is changing and what could that possibly mean? Those three areas then impact behavioral changes when we think when our body feels differently, when our thinking begins to change, when our feelings begin to change, it changes how we respond. It changes our behavior. And on, on the process goes to finally, those behavior changes, we play out with our relationships in life. So whether we're at home or at school or at work, how we feel, 
in our bodies, how we think, how we feel within ourselves as a person, the behaviors we exhibit all impact those relationships. And doggone it, there is one more arrow in that circle. Those relationship changes can compound the changes going on in our body because we now, you can now feel like you not only have an illness to contend with, but you have relational concerns to contend with. You know, you have thoughts, feelings, and behavioral concerns to deal with. So this truly is the last, how did we get into trouble slide. But have a look. This is how symptoms tend to worsen. And this is the connection between mind and body that makes it so important to balance good physical care along with good mental health care. If you're affected by primary immunodeficiency, you're likely accustomed to having more questions than you can find answers for. That's why the Immune Deficiency Foundation created Ask IDF, a portal on our website with a distinct purpose of connecting members of the PI community to the answers they need. Questions or requests may include, but are not limited to, seeking information about IDF's programs and services, assistance locating a physician, finding information about diagnosis, treatment, management, or inheritance of primary immunodeficiencies, and more. To use Ask IDF, simply visit primaryimmune.org ask-idf or click the link in the show's description. Now, resilience is that powerful force that we can muster within ourselves to get through challenging situations. The basic resiliency formula is really pretty simple. The first thing you want to do is be able to reduce the risk factors. Think of all the things you do in managing your primary immunodeficiency to reduce risk factors. You know, you, you, you watch... Uh, other health conditions that you have to make sure they're managed. Uh, you watch uh, your exposure to uh, various uh, people that might have infections. You try to make sure that you get the needed rest. There's all sorts of things that you can do to reduce the risk factors that, that will change the impact that a primary immunodeficiency has on you. Now, the flip side is, is we gather more resiliency by increasing the protective factors. So what are all the things that we can do from working on our relationships to working on our nutrition, to getting a good night's sleep, to trying to find a, a job and a career that's meaningful, trying to find the, the, the best place to live out our lives. All of these are protective factors that we can turn tune up so basically what we're going to be talking about is to deal with stress and to help keep mental health from becoming such a difficulty when you have physical health problems is you want to turn down your risk factors you want to increase your protective factors and please notice we're going to talk about things that you can really do these are day-to-day -day things that you can implement that really will make a difference. Now, there are three other things I wanna mention because they are really important to managing this taking care of mind and body. 
One thing is you need accurate information. And oh my goodness, uh, in our surplus of information in today's world, it is sometimes hard to find accurate information. So I hope that you're going to find that IDF is a great source of that information, but always find the best information for your primary immunodeficiency, as well as the best information for maintaining your own wellness and physical health. Get your facts from the best sources. The second thing is early intervention. And this is a big point that's been made by another uh, organization in our nonprofit area, uh, the Mental Health Association, uh, Mental Health America, that talks a lot about early intervention. The, the earlier we can address reducing risk factors, the earlier we can implement protective factors, the better our outcomes will be. So don't delay. Realize that today is always the best day to start some sort of self-care plan. The third thing is, is that we just cannot do this without trusting relationships. The tough thing about that is, is that any kind of illness tends to be disruptive to relationships. And that's a sad reality. I hope that each of you also have had some experiences where, you know, health conditions have had a, over time, a positive impact that is, it has brought out the, the, the better angels of the people around you um, that have, have built a, a strong supportive network for you. So, trusting relationships. So please, by all means, do that. Now, here's the you part. What can we really do? And there are some things that we can really do. And this is right out of the resiliency research. And you and Team Zebra, that's all of us that have a stake in primary immunodeficiency diseases, we want to do these eight things as to the best of our ability. How can we reduce anxiety that we can? Reducing the anxiety we can and increase our problem solving skills. And please notice that anxiety and problem solving skills tend to go in opposite directions. As anxiety goes up, once it goes up far enough, it often doesn't help our problem solving skills. A little bit of anxiety tends to get our attention and helps us think on our feet. But overall, and we're dealing with a lifetime uh, conditions, uh, the more we can reduce sources of anxiety in our world, uh, we're gonna find that part of that result will be to increase problem solving. But part of this is also saying, when you have those better moments, uh, don't give up your vigilance. Find other ways as you as you rest to see what other ways you might do for self-improving your problem-solving skills. The second thing is reducing self-blaming. Oh my goodness, this is a major factor in anyone who has a chronic illness. 
that sense of somehow I should be smarter than this. Somehow I should be able to work myself out of this condition. Somehow I should be able to think myself out of this condition. Somehow I should have just seen this coming. And what I encourage you to do is listen to that for a little while and sift through the little bit of truth that is there. Go back to the facts. What are those little truths about things that you can really make a difference and you can change and address them? And then the other things that you can't really change and address, let it go. But there's a lot of self-blaming uh, that goes on with chronic illness. The, the third thing gets a little harder. Sometimes we get blamed by others. Some people with a chronic illness are surrounded by a lot of people that complain more than the person with the chronic illness. And they complain more about the person with chronic illness than the person with the chronic illness talks about their complaints with the chronic illness. This is trickier to do because sometimes these blaming people uh, are related to us. They're living in the home with us. Uh, they are a coworker. They're a neighbor that's hard to get away from. Uh, but there are strategies for reducing blaming by others. And sometimes there are strategies that can be useful in, in making a difference and, and certainly having them in, having people included in events like this and giving them the information and introducing them to the, to the whole zebra herd is a great way to reduce that blame. Another thing is reducing isolation and attachments. Now, this is one thing that PI patients are really aware of, the isolation that comes when you have to spend a lot of time avoiding infections. Well, life played a very cruel trick on the rest of the world with COVID because all of a sudden the entire world experienced the world of a PI patient for a while, uh, having to be so aware of the, the risk involved in disease transmission uh, and, and then living with the isolation that, that occurred, you know, in order to stay safe. Fortunately, we are even at my age becoming digital natives enough to reduce our isolation sometimes through, you know, electronic means and reaching out. And IDF has a world of ways to help begin, give you opportunities to help to address this. Another thing is, is to keep boosting that self-esteem and self-efficacy. Now, self-esteem gets a lot of front page headlines. Self-efficacy gets less print, but self-efficacy is probably the more crucial of these two. Self-efficacy is that confidence that your effort can make a difference in the condition you have. And so that goes back to making sure you get good education and you have supportive people and you reduce your blaming and are you beginning to see how this list kind of builds on itself? Well, we also need to increase our creative play. And creative play, depending on your age, will mean a thousand different things. But find ways that you can continue to be creative and involved in some process, whether 
it's the, the you know the fine arts, uh, wh whether it is the folk arts, uh, whether it is uh, you know building the tallest Lego tower uh, or something else. Find ways to build some sort of play back into your life that you can still do even with the limitations of the disease you may have. Because play actually develops a lot of problem solving. I've spent my career as a play therapist working with kids and a lot of what kids do in session rooms is, is play out role plays. They, they figure out how to deal with bullies. They figure, they play out how to deal with someone else who's upset with them. They play out how to deal with stresses. And yes, now and then when I have a, a client with health condition, uh, we will pull out the, uh, the Iggy Bear and the, uh, the pretend IG supplies. And we'll talk about dealing with medical conditions and procedures that can be scary and frightening. But play helps make life be less frightening. That is the way that since we were born, we helped reassure ourselves. So even as you get older, uh, don't rob yourself of a great opportunity to uh, reduce your fear through play and really, you know, enhance your problem solving with something playful in your life. You need to enhance and nurture the relationships beyond the playroom, beyond that immediate group of people. So continue to reach out and reach out beyond. Team Zebra is so important, but there are so many more that need to be on Team Zebra. The more that we have on our team, uh, the more we'll have nurturing relationships. And, and it is a delight to be able to develop some relationships, friendships, certain family members that just have a special understanding of this condition and what, what you deal with. And then finally, you got to make sense of life. Life needs to have a meaning and you will need through your, you know, your personal, philosophical, theological, religious faith resources, make sure that you take care of yourself from that perspective, because that's another important part of for you and Team Zebra. If you'd like to make a financial contribution to the Immune Deficiency Foundation, your donations allow us to provide resources and services to hundreds of thousands who live with a primary immunodeficiency and ensure that we can continue our outreach to the immunocompromised to shorten the time to diagnosis. To learn more about ways to give, visit primaryimmune.org slash ways to give or click the link in the show's description. The Immune Deficiency Foundation is a 501c3 nonprofit organization, and your contributions are tax deductible to the maximum extent allowed by IRS regulations. IDF supports the Association of Fundraising Professionals Donor Bill of Rights and acts in accordance with the AFP Code of Ethical Principles and Standards. So, here's the good news. I started off by giving you this, you know, uh, terrible description of how these symptoms one could lead to another that you know changes in our body could lead to changes in our thinking changes in our feelings changes in our behavior changes in our relationship 
Well, I want you to look at this circle again and consider this circle as the circle of how we also rebuild ourselves, improve our health, improve our mental health, because we reassemble ourselves in the same way that we unravel. Now, each of us probably have a little bit different style in life. Some of us are over-attuned to our body changes and very aware, and then you know someone who doesn't even seem to be aware of anything going on in, in their body or their environment around them. Some of us are analyzers and spend way too much time uh, thinking about things to the expense of others. Some of us are bundles of feelings that just have rushes of, of, of anger, of fear, of worry, but we experience feelings as a rush. Some of us are very pragmatic and just behavioral, and it's like, well, I just have to get through it, so I have to get through it, so I'm just going to do this. Now, people who are uh, in these other areas may not understand that as well, but the person who's very behavioral-oriented understands themselves well. Some of us mainly get focused on the relational. No matter what's going on, we just want to be we just want to make sure we have a few people around us that are supportive. Well, each of these areas has an important strength and truth to it. At the same time, each of these areas have things you can specifically do to help improve mental health and physical health. So consider how you can walk yourself around this circle and realize that you can start at any one of these blocks. If, if you're one of those people that is an overthinker, just remember, don't just overthink. Make sure you get to the feelings part. Make sure you set a behavior change for yourself. Make sure you engage somebody in your support system. And then you can see how that might change your body. So wherever you tend to naturally fall on this circle, just make sure you keep the circle going. And here's what I mean by that. So here are the prescriptions for your body. Very basic things make a difference in both mental health and physical health. Sleep hygiene, regular physical activity, which of course has to be defined very personally, uh, but has to have some challenge to it without being overwhelming. Nourishing food, uh, consistent medical treatment, and meditation and mindfulness strategies. Now, some may say, may be very in tuned to uh, mindfulness and meditation strategies. Others may say, that's not for me. I would just encourage you to see in your own life what you might do that naturally incorporates some of these practices, even if you don't feel yourself to be a mystic or a particularly a uh, religious person or psychologically minded person, uh, nearly everyone knows something that they do that brings a soothing and calming influence. Um, I spoke to a friend the other day who talked about the calming influence of fishing. 
and how they could just stare at the bobber. And, and what they described was very much like a mindfulness meditation strategy. Now, for me, staring at a fish bobber uh, would very quickly make me restless. And I would begin thinking about having to clean those fish and how cold it was going to get, because I now live in Minnesota with ice fishing, so it can get cold. In other words, I'd be thinking about everything except that bobber and the quietness. So consider what your own meditation and mindfulness strategies might be. Now, prescriptions for your thoughts, your thinking. Realize that we don't have a lot of control managing your incoming message, but we can to a degree. There are times we just need to not be around certain critical people if it's possible or limit our time. There's times that we need to limit our exposure to too much information about the tough side of disease and spend a little time on how people address uh, you know, dealing with the disease. But sometimes you just have to come up with ways to manage those incoming messages. But there are lots of strategies to do that. Also, excuse me, I've duplicated myself. It, uh, oh, excuse me. Uh, the next one is manager incoming messengers. I did read it correctly. You have to be aware that sometimes managing your thoughts manage, includes managing the people that you are around. There are just some people who tend to bring us more up, some people who tend us to bring more down. Keep in mind, any way that you can manage that balance, you will do yourself a lot of favors when it's ever possible. Notice that here goes meditation and mindfulness strategies right here too, because that often involves a, a change in thinking. And keep in mind any spiritual and faith resources, which often in, in, include these things. You know, in spiritual resources, we've learned how to treat one another, how to treat one another well, how to treat one another when we're not treated well. Um, and many spiritual resources include very specific things on, on focusing on strengths and wellness. So don't neglect that side for dealing with your thoughts. And then care for your feelings. Well, remember to play. You, you can hardly play and not feel. Think about those expressive and creative arts. Some people do journaling. And I know that's, uh, that's been interesting. Uh, have a range of entertainment of some kind and uh, entertainment that even you can do if you are not able to go outside the home. Uh, again, our world had to learn a lot of creativity and how to entertain ourselves in the past few years. Uh, those with PI probably already had a number of those ideas in mind. And my goodness, here comes the meditation and mindfulness strategies again because that is another way we find our calm. And finding your calm is a very important way of caring for your feelings. Now, okay, there's some repetition here. The good news is though, you keep doing these things, the repetition 
is additive and it even can multiply the effects of the changes that you make. So plan for behaviors to really change how you take care of your body. This is what I'm gonna do for my body. This is what I'm gonna do to really try and change my thinking. You know, I'm just going to turn off the news after 30 minutes. I'm gonna stop scrolling, doom scrolling online after 20 minutes because I just need to do something to change the, the, the flow of, of my thinking. What are some things we can do with our feelings which can even be, um, you know, watching comedy or listening to music that changes your feelings. There's lots of things to do, but the behavior, do it. And then relationships, make some really specific, small commitments to work on relationships and to find ways to reconnect and to repair. And in some cases, sadly, Find some ways to put your distance between you and some really difficult people. And then whenever you're setting goals for yourself, set Goldilocks goals. What I mean by that is you want to set them where they're not too high and not too low, but that they're just right. Give a challenge that mobilizes you to action. Don't give yourself such a big challenge that it's overwhelming just thinking about it. So when you think goals, think Goldilocks. And then take care of your relationships. Uh, this is hard to do if you have difficult people around you, but hopefully events like this and meeting other people at events like this gives you another level of resources and relationships to help give you the courage to go back and address some of the difficult friends or family members that you may have. Uh, keep in mind that many of them are well-intended, but they just don't know how to be properly attend attended. So give them education. And remember how beneficial coming to these events have been for you, invite them along. Another thing is, is no matter how much we're hurting, find a way to care for others. It, it is in caring for others that we reconnect with an important part of ourself that helps us be desirable to other people for connection. And then sadly, there are a few people that you'll have to set limits with, and, and this is challenging, but sometimes it's what has to happen. So what I wanna ask you today is go around the circle and consider what can you do today for your body? What can you do for your thoughts? What can you do for your feelings? What can you do for your behavior? And what can you do for your relational? Find a Goldilocks goal and try it and go for it and go Team Zebra. There are a couple of really good resources for Team Zebra. The Immune Deficiency Foundation, my goodness, go to the website. You can spend a day. Another really good resource uh, for mental health is the Mental Health America website. They have all the materials for good mental health care, just as IDF has materials for good care with a primary immunodeficiency. And, and I encourage you 
uh, to reach out. These are resources that are that are that have been vetted and and proven. These are sources that you can get trustworthy information from. And remember, that was one of those principles earlier is that trustworthy information. So I thank you all for being here and um, invite the host back to share with us any questions from the, the chat uh, or uh, comments and so forth. So Julie, thank you. All right, thank you so much, Dr. Seymour, for that reminder of just how much our mental health can impact our physical health and vice versa. Um, we do have some time available for Q&A. Before we begin, please remember that everyone's treatment and condition is unique. The information presented during this session is not medical advice, nor is it intended to be a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with questions concerning a medical condition. And again, if anyone has a question, please go ahead and submit it in the chat as we do have some time remaining. Um, in the meantime, I also encourage anyone who may have questions that we're unable to address throughout these sessions, you know, due to time constraints, or even if you have additional questions later, you can always go to our website and click on Ask IDF to submit your questions, and a dedicated staff member can reach out. All right, so it does look like we have a question that has come in. All right, so after over 50 years of living with this and with my illness symptoms increasing with aging, how do I change my messages to myself so that I'm not always living a life of fear and, ex and always expecting the worst? Well, my goodness, they would ask a question that <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, I get to help personally live out at my house these days. Uh, first of all, be aware that geriatric kinds of PI is a new experience. This, you, we are the first generation to age into living long enough with a PI to be the age that we are. It is really quite remarkable what has been done to, to improve life expectancy, but there's much more to go. Some of what I think is involved here is now along with dealing with uh, you know, the chronic illness and, and uh, dealing with that, it's dealing with, you know, the effects of aging and getting older. But part of getting older is, I think, uh, finding, changing your Goldilocks goals to better fit your age and your circumstance and, and making sure that your Goldilocks goals for what you think you ought to be doing better fits your condition. So this is a good question, you know, Ask, ask those Goldilocks questions of your physicians, you know, of your loved ones, you know, help you find a way to in that medium that you can deal with these changes because they are real. But the amazing thing is we're going to learn from this generation what it's like to be over 60 and have a primary immunodeficiency. Um, so you, some of you are pioneers. So I encourage you to embrace that pioneer spirit. Thanks for that great answer. Um, we have another one that's just come in, which I think many of us may be able to relate to. How do you get friends to understand your health? They don't understand when I just don't feel like going out. Well, uh, f f first of all, some friends just never are. 
And when you have enough data that they just never are, be aware that you have some data that may suggest to you that they are not at the same level of friendship that you thought. And perhaps you need to be uh, recruiting friends that are more understanding. Now that's the negative side of it. The positive side of it is, you know, people, people get more comfortable with information and familiarity. And as much as I don't like to think about this when it comes to my own life, the reality is I can't help someone else understand me or anything about me unless I really understand and I'm comfortable with that. So I think the first step is make sure that you're really comfortable in knowing your conditions and, and your limits and, and know how to be able to state what you can or you can't do in ways that are kind, but, but firm. Um, I find that I, I am hoping that the last couple of years of COVID have created another pool of more understanding people than there were before, because some people really did finally figure out we've, had some comments of friends and family that good, my goodness, I had no idea what you guys went through until we had to deal with some of the, you know, the, the COVID restrictions. And it's like, yes, that's what we do year round. Um, so, but know yourself and be comfortable with yourself. You'll get a clearer message to others and don't be afraid to include them and, and just bring them on. Um, you know, just take it as a challenge as, you know, someone, if you love rhubarb pie, but somebody doesn't like rhubarb pie, just uh, periodically bring it out and offer them a piece and uh, demonstrate how good it tastes to you and, um, you know, continue to include them, but certainly set a limit on people who are hypercritical. Um, we have enough of that going on in the world these days. And I, I think illness is its own, you know, that's enough criticism right there is just what the illness does to us. Thank you so much. We have another great question too. Any recommendations on white coat syndrome at appointments? Well, several things. One, try to prepare yourself by remembering not only the worst visits you've had with white coats, but try to think of the best visits you've had because you've probably had both experiences and try to lead with that, you know, what, what confidence you do have from experiences you've had, try to lead with that. Um, secondly, be prepared, you know, have your notes, uh, you know, be ready do your reading. You know, it is, on one hand, it is not fair that a PI patient has to spend so much time understanding their disease themselves. At the same time, that understanding gives them the greatest power over affecting the disease and being able to communicate. Um, and it's, you know, the, 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 the lab coat uh, white lab coat anxiety has been with us a long time. 
I know that there have been a lot of changes addressed in, 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 in medical uh, training in that to, to help uh, physicians, care providers be more effective communicators. Um, but uh, try to lead with the, the positive experiences you've had. Again, at some point, set your limit that you're not going to be intimidated and you just won't tolerate it. But that's not always easy to do uh, when you have a rare disease and there might not be very many providers with kind of the scientific and medical knowledge, you know, to provide your care. Um, but uh, it, 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 is, it, is, it is your room. It's, it's not their room. It's your room when you're in it. And uh, be ready. Solid advice. Thank you so much. Well, um, there are no other questions. Then it does look like our time together has come to an end, maybe a little bit early. And we can give you all just a few yeah. more minutes back to your day. Yeah. Um, thank you so much, Dr. Seymour. It really well, has been an honor to have you join us today. And well, I hope everyone can enjoy the rest I, of the conference. I have been doing this at IDF conferences since 2002 and, and continue to enjoy uh, being a part of this. And a big thank you to the IDF staff, uh, their CEO, Jory Berry and Julia. And behind the scenes, we had Elizabeth Ferguson uh, in, in the background here helping us with this. And thanks to our interpreters who are helping us carry the message further than we ever have uh, to to provide better understanding to people with primary immunodeficiencies. And thanks to all that staff. I, I see that a few were with us today, or at least they turned their screen on to be with us today. So thanks so much. And I hope you enjoy the rest of the conference. Please continue to tune in. There are some great things this afternoon that I'll be in later, but just, just for my own benefit. So thank you. This podcast is a service of the Immune Deficiency Foundation. If you like our show and want to learn more, please subscribe to this podcast so future episodes will be sent to your device automatically and leave us a review on iTunes so that others may discover this podcast as well. To learn more about primary immunodeficiency and the PI community, please visit the IDF website at www.primaryimmune.org or click the link in the show's description. For more information on how to get engaged in advocacy on behalf of the PI community, check out IDF's Patient Advocacy Engagement Toolkit at www.primaryimmune.org patient-engagement-toolkit. And if you have a question you would like answered, email us at idf at primaryimmune.org. Thanks for tuning in.